Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson, and today in our study of Isaiah 44, 24 through 28, we are going to be looking at how God's people are precious in His sight. So today's readings are coming from the ESV, and I encourage you to open your Bible and follow along. The passage reads this way, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. I'm the Lord, who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of liars and makes fools of diviners, who turns wise men back and makes their knowledge foolish, who confirms the word of his servant and fulfills the counsel of his messengers, who says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited, and of the cities of Judah, they shall be built, and I will raise up their ruins, who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall fulfill all my purpose, saying of Jerusalem, she shall be built, and of the temple, your foundation shall be laid. So today we're going to be seeing three things. First, we're going to see the separation of who is and isn't. So first, before we get into that, I want us to look at God, the Redeemer of His people. This is a topic that comes up again and again, but it's so important. So let's look at this. In verse 24, we see, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. This is really important. God says this over and over again because He wants us to understand this theme. Even going back to verse 23, For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. This is an incredibly important theme because God wants our understanding of him to be his mercy. Look at Exodus 34, 6 through 7 with me. Give me time to pull it up here. Exodus 34, 6 through 8. Notice this is Moses. He is standing in a cleft in a rock because God is showing him his glory. And this really is the pinnacle of Old Testament theology. Now, really, this is only topped by Jesus himself coming. So this is really important. Let's look at this. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. So notice the very first thing God says when he's describing himself to Moses. He says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I was really, Dane Ortland was really spot on when he pointed out that unlike us, God is not ready to blow in anger. He's ready to blow in mercy, in goodness and compassion. Because if you're like me, you are ready to blow in anger. You know, if things happen our first emotion which is like right off the trigger it's anger it's we need to be you know stirred on towards love Ortland points that points that out really well but God needs to be provoked to anger 
not to compassion. That's his natural disposition. And that's really foreign for us. And that's in Isaiah 44, 24. That's what he's pointing at. He says he's your redeemer who formed you from the womb. This compassion that we see. The providence of God over creation and over people in general, that's glaringly obvious. And he's using that providence to show his mercy and graciousness. But at the same time, as we saw in Exodus 40, or excuse me, 34, 7, that God does not just let the willy, he's not willy-nilly with sin, you know? He will punish sin. And we look at this in verse 25. We see that God frustrates the signs of liars and makes fools of diviners. I like that wordplay there. ESV does a good job there. Um, But that really shows that he is not just going to let these sins go. His providence is really showing who is, who is inside, who is their people, and then who are not the people. Who God says is his own and who is not. So we also see that God humbles the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is a theme that goes along with God's merciful and gracious heart. He is low to those who are low, but he's also going to humble those who try and exalt themselves. And we see that here with these false prophets, these diviners, and these wise men, he makes our knowledge foolish. So we see, going to our second point, redemption in the future and the present. We first see that Jerusalem will be inhabited. This is really what God is excited for. He says of Jerusalem, she shall be inhabited. And of the cities of Judah, they shall be built and I will raise up their ruins. This is what gets God excited. He is bringing his servant back. The people he longs to exalt because they're low. He is longing to restore them to glory. And he does that. And he also makes references to the Exodus. Look at verse 27. Who says to the deep, be dry. I will dry up your rivers. This, I believe, and I think Oswald is right when, John Oswald, when he points to this, he is right when he says that this is a reference to the Exodus, where we see God redeem his people who were low, who were oppressed by the people of Egypt and by Pharaoh in particular. And we finally see Cyrus. We're going from ruler to ruler. This is a note on Cyrus. That's our third point. And again, I want to give a shout out to John Oswald, who's got a really good interpretation here. And we first see the emphasis on my shepherd. Now, this really would have offended these Israelite and Judeans. They would have been like, whoa, 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 where are your people? This foreign king, he is not your shepherd. But God's saying, yes, he is my shepherd. And he uses Cyrus. He says, he shall fulfill all my purpose. God's predictions of the future are in stark contrast to idols and false prophets. These idols will they don't say anything. And then these false prophets, they say lies. But God knows, and not only knows, planned the future. And so let's look at our application. What are we going to do because of this passage? First, we must pray. 
Pray to the God who planned the future. Ask him to meet your needs. Ask him to equip you to spread the gospel. And then trust God by being a witness for him to your neighbor. In the redemption narrative, our job is to bring glory to God. And God's job is to redeem you. Trust God to do his job and do yours. Show your neighbor the glory of God by loving them, by being gentle and compassionate, not quick to anger, just like God. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at our website, adoptedbelievers.com, for episodes and other resources. And like us at Facebook at Adopted Believers. Thank you.